Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. We are in the year 1996, and if you've been listening, duh, of course we are. Um, and <laughs> this episode we're covering the video games of 96. I'm Michael, that's John. Alright, so we're switching things up a bit. So as the show has progressed over the years, it's become like evident that we're going to have an insane amount of video game news. It's not as simple as it used to be where it was just arcade and like one game system at a time. So... I will be taking over some of the newer systems and whatnot going on that's not main core. Like, he's still doing the Genesis and Nintendo and what, like PC? What, what are we doing? PC, yeah. Okay, I have a few PC things, I think, in here. But most of it's like the PlayStation just fucking explodes this year. I mean, it was it was a splash in the water in 95. Now it's the fucking, sh it's the Meg, you know? <laughs> and... Looking at the sales of this, I had no idea that almost every single game in the top 20 of this year were PlayStation. Isn't that crazy? Well, part of it is because PlayStation actually is out, and you don't get uh, the 64 until the end of the year. So. Yeah, I guess it is. Like, systems that were trying to compete just couldn't. And Nintendo is at the end of its stage, and Sega is just a fucking mess. So basically all it is really is PC games in the PlayStation. Yeah, I mean, there is... Did you say you had... Did you have any arcade stuff? I do have... I think so. That's just kind of a mess understanding my writing here. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's definitely one solid arcade title I can think of. But it is funny, like... Year. There was a line of demarcation in this era where you were a PC gamer or you were a console gamer. You never mixed them, and the games rarely ever went over to more than one uh, system. Yeah, there's there's barely any uh, arcade ports at this point. Yeah. I mean, arcade, but, uh, PC ports to console. Right, or it's vice versa, because, yeah. Yeah, mainly because PC was just too, you know, the stuff was there becoming way too powerful for what the consoles could keep up with. All right, so starting off, um, see, I don't know what you have on your so I'm going to hopefully get this right. Uh, so systems that basically died uh, this year were uh, the Virtual Boy. Hey, everybody want a headache? <laughs> uh, the Jaguar, you want to be conned and have a headache? <laughs> and then the 3DO. I, I don't even remember the theater yet, 3DO. I remember like a couple games that were exclusives that looked interesting. Like one looked like a Don Bluth. Was it Dead at 13 or something interesting? Oh, I can't yeah, Brain Dead 13. Brain yeah. Dead 13. That's it. That was the only thing that looked interesting. I mean, a lot of the 3DO games did get ported over, right? Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, really, its its flagship title was Gex. And I'm yeah. pretty sure we talked about that. We did. When that hit. Uh, so Sega shuts down Sega CD, the 32X. Um, I can't remember what the hell the CDI is. I think the CDI oh, was Phillips. Phillips Phil CDI. CDI. That's right. That's the fucking terrible animated games. The uh, Zelda and Mario, right? Oh yeah. Mostly oh, yeah. Zelda. Everybody does the that one. Um, yeah. So it's interesting that a lot of these companies just like, uh oh, got to pull back immediately. Apple Pippin. Does anybody even remember this? I don't even. I never even heard of it till I started doing research. It doesn't. It definitely doesn't sound familiar. I do have a couple of my. Uh my businessy things for who started yeah pippin was there uh it was like a home computer but it was more console based it was focused solely on games it had its own control pad and it was just a massive flop this is when apple i'm pretty sure they go bankrupt this year this the next year's and then they have to re, you know like be reborn bring steve jobs back 
like I have a feeling that if I had a picture of it, I would know it. I would remember it. Yeah, it's so strange. Um, in arcades, I have Namco Alpine Racer, which was like a one of those massive peripheral kind of games where you had the actual ski thing that you would shift your body on. Yeah, I, I remember trying that once, and it, it was not fun. No, the thing where you have to, I think if you remember, you have to like shift forward or whatever in order to jump, and everybody would basically fall off the damn thing. Yeah, it, it was not, it was an interesting idea, you know, and arcades are definitely trying to keep uh, people coming by creating interesting gimmicks, but definitely not the, uh, not the best uh thing for unsportsmanlike people to do <laughs> sportsmanlike games yeah uh this isn't necessarily gaming but it kind of falls in that realm tamagotchi debuts is that count as a game it's it's real it's like... I'd, I'd consider it a game because yeah. you you know it's your virtual pet you had to keep it alive so you're gamifying you know actual responsibility those things were a phenomenon. I had a friend who had one. He was always like, oh, my baby's dying. Oh, no. And I was like, what are you doing over there? And he's like, my Tamagotchi, it's starving. <laughs> it's sick. Yeah, no, I was I was going into high school at that point, so I was not going to have a Tamagotchi. I was a grown boy. Dang oh, uh, dude, uh, that person was in college. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. Um. So over in PlayStation, we have the debut of Resident Evil. Who knew? It would still be going and also be a massive movie franchise. Oh, God. That's such a fun game. Uh, they, It's you know, like the B, mix of B-movie nonsense with genuine scary moments Ooh, and yeah. stuff. I was, I was a nervous wreck playing it. It was worse than Doom for me. But... The thing that I always disliked was years later they did the remake of it and they took out the most important aspect of that game, which was the really terrible voice acting. <laughs> because, well, well, because in a way, that's what you needed. You needed people who were not voice actors, who were not delivering any kind of meaningful, you know, like the dialogue is dumb. But they're delivering it so badly that it comes off like a grindhouse film, oh, which yeah. is kind of which is kind of what it is. It can, oh, like I an mean, Italian dubbed movie. Yeah, it's it's a. I don't think that was necessarily its intent, but it's what it, it's kind of what made people enjoy it because of just how bad things are. Like, don't open that door, or you were almost a Jill sandwich. I mean, I can quote these lines, these horribly delivered lines to this day and then they did a remake and they made it a serious actually good game instead of the you know, well it's not take controls but uh, instead of like that weird mix of just fun and off-putting that the original game was well it's so interesting that zombie the genre itself zombies were just I mean to joke were dead as a doornail I mean they were just the whole market was uh, gone. There's no games. There's no movies. And all of a sudden, like, this comes out of nowhere. Yeah, we had a little bit of the horror stuff with, like, Doom um, and, and Wolfenstein and stuff like that. But this seems like it broke the door open, not only for the zombie genre, but for, like, the survival horror kind of gameplay. Yeah. And did you ever... Uh, I, don't think, I don't think there was, like, a full script that was ever leaked, but did you ever see the George Romero... Uh, 
what he wanted to do for the Resident Evil film. No, but there is a podcast I wanted to listen to called The Best Movies Never Made, where they go over the scripts and discuss it. So, and they do. Uh, I think their final episode, uh, at least for now, is that uh, that script. Yeah, because I, I know I read some stuff about it. I think it was like just the treatment, and it's effectively just the game mm-hmm. as a film, and it would be terrible. Like I, I don't think the Resident Evil films are particularly any good. But it, I don't think, even with uh, Romero at the helm, I don't think he could have turned that into a into a functional film. Well, it's so funny. Is like the, the franchise itself, I don't know about the games, I only ever played the first one, is that the movie franchise moves so far away from being about zombies, it's so weird. And then they had that new one, I think, two years ago, Welcome to Raccoon City, and that takes it. that's probably the best of the franchise because it knew its roots and it had... Someone not so flashy as Paul W.S. Anderson, who, you know, wanted to stick to the game, the core idea of the game, but, you know, expand upon it. Have you seen it? I haven't seen that. I did start watching the Netflix series. I heard that was good, yeah. So how far away does the movie stray from the games? Uh, The movie gets the idea that there's a lab underneath a house and there's zombies. Okay, and they don't they don't pull the whole cube rip off that W. S. Anderson loves to do and pretend like he didn't steal it from Cube. (laughs) The closest the closest that the films get to actually being like the games is actually uh, the second Resident Evil film. Okay, that's about the closest that they ever get to actually feeling like. You know, Resident Evil 2 and Resident Evil 3. My all-time favorite video game franchise debuts, and if this was ever a movie, I have no idea how they would have a plot whatsoever, (laughs) but it would be fucking wild. Speaking of, like, monsters and aliens and Nazis and shit like that, Metal Slug, holy shit, my favorite. Oh, God, yes. But it was a quarter eater, man. It It would destroy your budget in 10 minutes if you played it in the arcade. It's brutal. It's a beautiful game, and that's I think why you know SNK SNK's games were always were always interesting, and you see this thing in the arcades, and you just go, "Oh, that's neat! I need to play that." Yeah. Whether or not you're any good at it didn't matter. It just was neat. Its characters are comic book, you know, cartoony. They look like old, like uh, the the uh, Pink Panther cartoons, the way they you know Frizz Freeling would design his characters. It looks like that. It's insanely violent. The the ship designs, the gun designs are really like anime inspired. There's so much influence and craziness going on in it. And uh, there's like six games, I think maybe seven, and then two kind of remakes for the handheld systems. Um, God, I love it so much. I wish it would make a big comeback. Yeah, well, they, they still make them as far Do as they, I thought they hadn't made one in like 20 years. Well, well, keep vamping, and I'll look it up. Okay. Um, but, yeah, if you love, like, it's just one of those straightforward running guns. You, you you pump your quarters in. Problem is one hit, which, geez, you will, oh, my God, you face off one of the, the level bosses, and you would go through maybe five bucks. Get the emulator. Get the get the version that came with the Wii U or the Wii, whatever, where it's unlimited continues because that's the only way to truly have fun with this without being like throwing the controller at the wall and screaming. <laughs> um, and each one kind of progresses in its craziness. So, and there's something that's like you get in vehicles and you can use those weapons and hop around and stuff like that while blowing up. 
crazed chimps with exploding bananas, you know, things like that. That's why I love the game so much. There's not a lot of thought put into like, hey, there's a puzzle to solve. That is just fucking run, just shoot and <laughs> have fun. Okay. And last actual game would be uh, Mill Slug 7, which was 2008. Okay, so I knew it had been a while. But that's the problem with SNK is that the owners have changed so many times. Remember it was SNK Playmore for a while? And then I, I don't even know if they're even around. I don't know who owns the rights, if they're still around or not. Yeah, it's like technically they're still making games, but they're like uh, iOS games and shit like that. Uh, and and they're, bundles. Um, yeah, it... Go ahead. No, it's just, yeah, it's like, it's, those aren't necessarily worth, like, those later ones aren't necessarily worth mentioning. It's just kind of re-releases and, yeah, 7 being the last official game. Okay, so you said you have PC, so I'll skip these next two. Um, well, if I can mark it. Die Hard Trilogy on the PlayStation. Look, in concept, it sounded like an amazing idea, but boy, some of those stages were so hard to play because... This is that early top-down side, whatever, you know, the polygons. Visually, it's kind of barfy. Yeah, I had it. I had that in a, uh, my PlayStation demo just came with the demo for that. And I think it was, the opening stage they give you was uh, for Die Hard 2. Yeah. And you're like, all I remember is that you were shooting, that you had to move your cursor around and shoot things on the screen, and it was effectively, it, it was a light gun game. Oh, okay. a light gun. Because the first, the first, uh, I played it in, in arcades and I played it at home, is basically you're playing the first movie where you're going through the building, fighting bad guys. Yeah, it's like, I, oh no, no, you know what? I think it was uh, Die Hard... Actually, it might have been Die Hard with a Vengeance because I, I now remember... Well, no, it could have been two. I remember taxis being involved. Okay, right well, that would be free. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah it, was just, it was an on-rails uh, light shooter that uh, was a lot of fun. And a cat just burst into the room and <laughs> now run away. The I, I do love light rail games. The, the T2 probably is my uh, the most memorable, I think. Well, Time Crisis, probably. Oh, God, yeah, Time Crisis. Actually, I do have one here. It's Area 51, which uh, hit the arcades. That one is, I did not have did not have that one on my list, and that one is like, of course, you didn't do arcades, but uh, that, is, that is a hell of a game. The little full motion video graphics and people basically looking like the aliens from They Live. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's just one of those fun, like, it kind of changed... Um, because it wasn't... Doesn't it seem like... I'm, I'm trying to remember now. Wasn't like Revolution X and T2 they only went side to side? Whereas Area 51 was one of those that kind of went in, like forward motion? Yeah. Yeah, cause T, yeah T2, Revolution X... Uh, God, I think Operation Wolf also... No, no. Operation Wolf, you were... You were effectively stationary, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oh. It would all come to you, yeah. Oh. But yeah, it's like... Like time crisis and some of those things, you were actually moving around and right. Well, then they started adding like the pedals and stuff like that, and then the reload triggers. Instead of shooting off screen, you would hit it or something on the gun. It got more and more like complicated as the years went on. I've played some really like Rambo that or yeah, I think it was Rambo. It's like they had an arcade, but it all kind of changes here. I think Area Fifty One was kind of the one that broke through the mainstream with a new look and, and, and way to play. Yeah, I those are. Oh god! I just you know you have 
heavy drift through a mental wormhole. Yeah, uh, no. I'm trying to remember. Area 51, did they have a gun on a cord? It wasn't attached to yeah. the console itself? Yeah, it was on a cord. Yeah, there was, I think Lethal Enforcers kind of did that too, but it, it, that was, I, Area 51 was like everywhere you went, so it was a massive hit. Yeah. Um, let's see, that's also PC. Sorry, I didn't know what you were going to have. Uh, Tomb Raider! Oh god, Tomb Raider's... It is one of my most favorite franchises of all time. The, yeah, I to which remember, I've played the least amount of games of, I think. Yeah. It's so funny how they, they're like, oh, she's so hot. You know, back then it was like, ooh, she has boobs. And it's like, you look at it now, you don't giggle because it's so polygon, like, just ridiculous. Ah, uh, teenage boys. Yeah, you know, the uh, the infamous nude code that uh, never actually existed. Yeah, and I didn't know I, about that. And then if I remember in the sequel, because... The idea was, oh, you hit these these certain things. It was supposed to make her naked. Okay, well, in Tomb Raider two, they actually put in a thing where if you tried it, she then exploded. Whoa, <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's another one where it was just this massive phenomenon. It kind of changed. It was like a super advanced version of Pitfall. You know, it's more world building, more complicated puzzles. I mean, puzzles were the big part of this. And as much as Indiana Jones influence, it, it kind of steered in its own direction. Well, yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like it was all about you're exploring these giant, well, by that time's definition, giant levels. And so many puzzles, so many switches you had to flip. You know, it's nice that, that it actually gave you auto, you know, auto trace the uh, the creature, so that whenever shooting, you didn't actually have to aim. Yeah. Because that would have been a pain in the ass at the time. I if this is the first game where I think I remember where you could jump and then grab onto something and climb up. Yeah, and the uh, a lot of the uh, platforming required you to have pretty damn good, pretty damn good uh, jumping skills in this and. You had a lot of because it was tank controlled. You had to learn. You had to learn to not fight the controls with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, and of course that launched movies too. I guess there's a new series of that coming. It's funny how some of some of the video games that were popular just they go nowhere, and then some just they they hit the mainstream and just keep on chugging along. Well, it's funny is this this was a franchise that it chugged along, died came back chugged along died and then came back it's is surprisingly had a lot of staying power for a franchise that burns out pretty quick because the first few games really the only first two are really any good and then just kind of kept going they put it back on the playstation 2 and it took a little bit but they finally you know, it's like, yeah, here's another couple of games. Oh, these suck. Let's reboot it with a remake of the first one. And then, oh, okay, these are, this is pretty good. Let's keep going. Oh, we ran out of ideas. Crap. <laughs> it's kind of like Sonic, yeah. Let's let's reboot it and make her young. And then that trilogy, and people kind of got tired of the last one. Which well. wasn't that bad of a game, actually. The uh, speaking of characters that could have become a massive franchise, and I'm shocked it has really no like stamp. What do you call that? Um, what do you call that? That we live in a print imprint or something? What the fuck? Culture oh, impact? It's, it's, not on the, it's on the cultural zeitgeist. Yeah, is Crash Bandicoot? Do you remember how hard they pushed Crash? He was in, he was their mascot. 
He was like this wise yeah. ass who was always staying outside of the headquarters of other game companies, get you know, ribbing him, whatever, challenging him oh, to stuff. He was always he was always outside Nintendo. He's always yeah. uh, talking shit about uh, Mario because it, really it would be mean to uh, try and make fun of Sega at this time. <laughs> yeah, and and those first couple games were fantastic, and I just feel like that's one of those franchises that died. And I guess it's just because people lost interest in mascots for the most part. Well, it's been it, that's a series that's lasted for a long time. Really? I thought there'd only been a few games. No, you had the uh, what first three games on PlayStation. Then there was a whole bunch on the PS2. And I want to say there were a couple more on the PS3, and then they more or less. I don't think they skipped PS4. PS4 became like oh, where the reboots have like uh, reboots and remakes, and then there's a new one that's out. Dude, what are these companies? I know Naughty Dog. Naughty Dog's the famous one for launching this, but Traveler's Tales, Vicarious Visions, Radical Entertainment, Toys for Bob is the new... What? Yeah, well, it's like... those. Some of those games, they've, they've put out uh, their courthouses and remake groups, and, uh, yes, yeah, Vicarious, I think, were the ones who did the, uh, the ones that basically made crash into a frat bro okay. where he had like a tribal tattoo and shit yeah, boy. I can't believe I there's think, this many games this is mind boggling I had no idea any of these games existed well, I, I mostly did because I worked at GameStop for like a decade so. oh okay <laughs> that's, that's wild I, I just crashed Team Rumble came out three years ago so huh well yeah it just maybe he I, I should shut up now because it turns out he was more popular than I thought <laughs> But it's like he's never, they never went into films and stuff like that. Oh, give it time. I I think now that we've had like an explosion of video game movies that are good, like legitimately good and box office hits, I think you're going to get one. Well, they did try with Ratchet and Clank and that failed spectacularly. Yeah. And that that was close to what the game was anyway. I didn't know Devo did the, the music for this franchise. That's cool. Well, sort of Devo. Yeah, Mother's Bach, yeah. Uh, that's it all I have on Crash Bandicoot. The last two I'll say is Jet Moto and Wipeout. Games that we played non-stop in college because at least for our group of friends, the competitive games are what made the PlayStation so appealing to all of us. That you know, It didn't require long gaming. You could just play for five minutes and pass it off to your buddy. Oh, God. Wipeout is... It's still, I think, one of my favorite racing franchises of all time. It was, it was like, it was like F Zero, except if F Zero wasn't uh, cartoons and was actually, this is gonna hurt to say, was good. No. Yeah, as much as I love F Zero, Wipeout did it so much better. Did it sleeker? Did it quote unquote realistic? Yeah. And it shows up in the movie Hackers. Oh, wow. I haven't watched that in a while. Um, Jet Moto, I remember, that's the one we played the most. That and Cool Borders and X Games, we were, just, we were obsessed with them. Oh, Cool Borders is awesome. I will say this real quickly about the Ratchet and Clank movie. It only cost $20 million and made 15 at box office, so it seems like the kind of movie that was always meant to be something they could sell to a streaming or video, you know, that kind of thing, where it wasn't very expensive. Well, as I recall, they never advertised it, so... The fact that it made $15 million actually does kind of impress me. Yeah. Um, that is it for my side. On to you. 
Oh, you did not mention uh, Street Fighter Alpha Two that came out too in the arcades. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't think about it. That is, that is the best Street Fighter game of all. Wow. Why? I don't know if I've ever played it. It takes all the well, the Alpha series was like the prequels, quote unquote, where they would go, oh, okay, we have we've developed this story in very loose quotes uh, for the Street Fighter games. We could keep making Street Fighter 2 variations, but you know what? Let's actually go and... Why does Sagat hate Ryu? Why does... That's really about it. I'm sorry. I'm trying yeah. to come up with anything more for this story, but no, it's basically just, why, why does people want to play Akuma? Well, here you go. We're now going to have uh, this series that is set before the Street Fighter series, but just going to be more Street Fighter. Mm-hmm. And they can do specialer moves. Because it basically, as these games went along, they started having more and more power-up moves. Okay. So you now so you now could build like a little special energy bar, and your characters could now unleash you know, even more powerful attacks and stuff. So... Like the fireballs now became like unstoppable and things like that, but only if you built up your energy little energy meter at the bottom. Kind of like how uh, what was it? Like uh, Marvel versus Capcom two and stuff like that kind of had that stuff. Right, right. But this this was the one that had like uh, Sakura and uh, Rose. I think was brought back. Same thing with Gen. There was, there was a bunch of characters that were like some of the original games that uh, ended up into this into this title. And about the only one that really stuck around was Sakura, who became the little girl who's following around Ryu, wanting to be, you know, just as great as him. And like her attacks were like, he's like, she wasn't quote unquote as powerful, but her attacks ended up being like, uh, would multi hit. So like you get the trade off where, yeah, she could do a dragon punch, but she has limited range, but hers would fuck you up. More so than just reuse. Hmm. And, yeah, those, I think that is the, of all the Street Fighter games, I think that is where Street Fighter hit its pinnacle. And then from that point on, it became a game for, uh, for those people who decide that video games, you can make money at, and now go to, I have no idea what you say because you just went robotic. Oh, I I started thinking about uh, professional gaming and how Street Fighter is kind of like one of the flagship series for that. And it just makes me really sad that people can make money playing video games. Except you. Because, except me. <laughs> that, was, that was a stupid dream that uh, kids in my generation wanted. And, you know, Gen Y and Gen Z people now can actually do it. it <laughs> yeah, we all thought, oh, we could all be Kevin Smith. And it turns out we couldn't because digital video wasn't affordable. And there's no way we could do film. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Okay. Uh, so some of the business stuff that, we, that wasn't mentioned... Uh, Valve Software formed. You know, they, they made games like Left 4 Dead, Counter Strike, Team Fortress, Portal. You know, this something called Half Life. 
Oh, and I guess Steam? Has anyone ever heard of this thing? Apparently, it's kind of popular. <laughs> yeah, they started in 96. Uh, IDOS uh, acquires Center Gold, which uh, includes the subsidiary core, which was responsible for, again, you mentioned Tomb Raider. Uh, Interplay forms Black Isle Studios, which uh, they're the people who made the first two Fallout games, as a whole bunch of uh, Dungeons & Dragons stuff. And Imagine Games Network is formed. I think everyone knows it now by its acronym, IGN. Oh, okay, yeah, I even had that written down, but I didn't even know what that stood for. Yeah, technically, it was five different websites, n64.com, PSX Power, Saturn World, nextgeneration.com, and ultragameplayers.com. But basically, the, these websites have just kind of becoming their little network, and then eventually evolved into basically one of the biggest uh, video game news sites on the entire internet. As for PC and... You can jump in after I get these if I mention any of the ones that you would have. But there was uh, Duke Nukem 3D. Oh my god, we're so obsessed with that. <laughs> yeah, like like Doom and Wolfenstein, this is a game that was synonymous with first-person shooter. Uh, and basically, okay, it is well-constructed. Uh, it's got some very interesting level design, and especially for the time, well, including for the time, but something that was different for the time was the amount of risque humor right it, well, it felt like was, it felt like it was influenced by army of darkness yeah i mean let's be honest it was also misogynist because all hell yeah but you know it decided to make this uh character into a crass you know, douchebag instead of just regular uh just scroller action character that he was prior to it yeah this was a uh, really weird thing. You know, you had cops that turned into pigs, <laughs> so you had some sort of some, a little bit of social commentary there. And as you're going around this alien invasion storyline, you run into uh, the dead characters. Like uh, I think you find the Doom guy, and I forget who else you find that's dead. It's like you know. Duke is so much better than all these other mascots of first-person shooters and whatnot. And, yeah, it's it's a good, you know, it's a pretty good game, even though if you look at it now, it's cringy as hell. But uh, it released a game this year, I think, that is far better, and that was quick. Yeah, yeah, we played that a bunch, too. When did Hexen come out? Did I, Does that already come out? Hexen, I think believe came out after this okay we were obsessed with that one too we played quake isn't the one that i got really into because that turned into a massive franchise right yeah yeah it, but also it became like a uh, a battle royale-esque uh, franchise uh hexen was 94 oh dang no, i was wrong oh well i was wrong but uh you know basically it's like doom Except kind of medieval, and it had a soundtrack by uh, Nine Snails. <laughs> and it was the game that made, uh, at the time, the rock star developer John Romero. He had to quit in software because he 
wasn't being treated as well as he thought he should because no one wanted to do his idea. So he started his own his own game company and he released Dai Katana, a piece of shit that no one loves. <laughs> and thank God he left Quake because he would have fucked Quake up. But, uh, you know, this is... This game basically started doing... We, we get a, a bunch of 3D games this year. Again, we mentioned Tomb Raider. And I think this was the game that did 3D right. Even though, yes, it's a first-person shooter, and in a way, the first-person shooters kind of existed in a 3D space. At least in a way. This truly had the best, the best example of having an extra... I think we also talked about Descent uh, in, like, what prior years. A, a beautiful look of, you know, your X, Y, and Z axes. And this truly gave you the most amount of freedom, because this is also the game where people discovered how to get jump. Okay. Where you can, where you can start to uh, use rockets to uh, kind of blow you into higher area of a, a game to, to make your traversal so much more easier than having to just run through the level as normal. God, maybe I haven't played this game. I thought I had, but none of this sounds familiar. Well, this was... This was something that people started developing as they were playing. It's not just, oh, they they thought about how to do this. It was, you know, some, some guy somewhere went, oh, hey, I think I'm stuck in this room. Okay, point, so it was like a demo, and people just they just kept uh, progressing as they went. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of like people people would start kind of like, how can it break the game? And rocket jumping was one of the things that kind of came out of this that kind of became a mainstay in many in many uh, first person shooters where people wanted to uh, kind of screw around with the level area. But. Uh, was there any other PC that you thought of? Phantasmagoria. Fun to say. Hard to play. And my uh, my friend and his sister played it all the time. If I remember correctly, I feel like there was... Was this her seventh guest where there was kind of like a little bit of sauciness to it? And she was so wild. Was like, oh, there's blood and boobs. <laughs> I don't that was seventh guest. I think Phantasmagoria was just more straightforward horror. Okay, I couldn't remember. Um, Command and Conquer, Red Alert. I've talked about it before. <laughs> completely and utterly obsessed for two years and I wouldn't even go to class sometimes because I was so obsessed with this fucking game yeah that was, that was I mentioned that one because when, when we brought up Command & Conquer coming out that's that's the spirit of a franchise that ultimately gave us uh, Tim Curry telling us about going to Spies Spies and that's it that's all I had okay uh, let's see there's not a lot to talk about with Sega's side because uh Genesis was on its way out, and Saturn was the Saturn. Yeah, and then, what, I Tom Polinsky's have... out, right? He's he's on his way out, too. <laughs> Pretty much. Oh, it was, it's only, it's, it's literally in its first full year, and, oh boy. But, uh, yeah, Sonic 3D Blast, it's Sonic, but now 3D. <laughs> Okay, not really. It's not really 3D. It's just isometric, kind of like Dinner Strike. Right, right, right. But the character was a 3D bottle that was converted into sprites. So 
Yeah, technically it's 3D. Uh, but Sega was had stopped its support for the Genesis actually in '85, so this was really supposed to be the, the console swan song. Although you had a few games that came out after it, and it's again, it's a Sonic game. You just have your environments. Environments are now large, and you can run around in larger, you know, larger fields instead of just left and right. It's not a particularly good game. It was cross-platform, so it did show up and play better on the Saturn than it ever did on the Genesis. But I, I'm actually only familiar with it on the Genesis. And yeah, the system's ten, you know, technical limitations did not make it fun. No, no. Now you also had Nights into Dreams. Oh, what a beautiful game. Yeah, Sonic Team's other big hit, which sadly it lost over time. You know, there was a sequel that came out in 2007 for the Wii. But, you know, that was 20 years too late to be relevant, so no one beat it. Yeah. Uh, but okay, by today's standards, there's very little about this game to really talk about. It's It, it has areas that you're walking around in, and the stuff is kind of mediocre at best. It's where this game is shining where this game shines, I should say, and why this game is rumored fondly are for the flying sections. Which, kind of like, because this is Sonic Team, they, those things are effectively Sonic stages. You know, left and right. You know, left and right 2D areas. But you're giving them such a weird freedom of movement that you feel it's not 3D, but it feels like you're in 3D areas. Mm-hmm. It's, it's this weird, you know, how they have you going around collecting these items, flying around, doing little drill attacks and stuff. It's so fun. And they actually developed an entire controller just for that, just for that thing. Like, I'm trying to remember, you know, I know it had analog sticks, so I'm trying to actually picture it, and I can't to describe it. But there was specifically a controller that was made for the game that if you bought certain you know, a certain pack, you would get that packed in with it. So remember that it was that Sears, I think it was, where I actually played the demo of it and used that controller. It yeah, Toys R Us. I don't remember the controller, but I do remember playing it at Toys R Us. But yeah, it was it was such a beautiful game. It It is a shame that this franchise basically died with Saturn because, damn, it that, that should have been... You know, that should have been on the PlayStation, really. I think I think Sony would have known what to do with it. But uh, Nintendo, there's only one thing of note to talk about for the Super Nintendo, because, let's be honest, it's also on its way out. Uh, and you have the Super Mario RPG, Legend of the Seven Stars. Yeah, I, I don't remember much about it. I just remember my roommate played it all the time. That and Paper Mario until, like, Five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> well, here's the thing. It's it is an amazing title that takes all the best elements of SquareSoft's RPGs and mixes them with all the colorful neatness that is in the Mario Mario Mushroom Kingdom, and it mushes it together, and it creates the most amazing RPG for babies you could ever have. <laughs> like it's. It is RPG 101, it is Pokemon, it is uh, 
oh god what is that final fantasy mystic quest it is basically like the your intro to how to play you know games that actually require a ton of your time and thought and it's fun but it's is it good and that's kind of the question is was this actually a good game or was this just a a game we all liked because it was different it was a different mario game yeah yeah i can see that yeah and it's being remade so i think we might get a chance to uh kind of revisit it and think about it but in a way i don't understand why they're remaking it where they could actually i don't know do a new one but uh all right nintendo 64 comes out I still think the Ultra 64 would have been the better the better name for that console. Or Nintendo Ultra something. Something like that, yeah, because you get you Nintendo, you get Super Nintendo, and then Nintendo 64 just sounds like they ran out of uh, adjectives well, I mean, to call their moms and dads, they don't understand what the fuck the 64 is in reference to. They don't get it. Well, no, we understood at the time. We knew it was the 64-bit system. Yeah. Because... You had our all those uh, 16-bit systems. Now we're at 64. Ooh, you know, I personally do not like this console. I think the controller is the most uh, horrible combination. Fucking ever. weird. Yeah, the 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 stick is in the middle. It's got the weird trigger, and then you have to put your hands on whatever. It's it's a very strange. Is, it, is this the first one to have a rumble pack? This is the, it ended up having the rumble pack and had to have the bad uh, the additional yeah the rumble pack I think was there because you needed that to play Donkey Kong oh okay and then there was because that was actually like a pack in for it yeah. and it was actually because it, the game would not function without it well wasn't it this is a system that debuted with only two games and I thought that was the most mind boggling fuck up I've ever seen oh yeah oh okay there is there are a few games that did come out in that and I'm gonna say it's in its launch window. The, the but, first yeah. the last quarter or whatever of ninety six, the Christmas because it was October I believe is when it came out. Yeah, but you did have Mario sixty four and Pilot Wing sixty four were the two were the two main launch titles, and that's so much so that the console was delayed. It was ready in ninety five. Oh. They delayed it so that they could have those games you know, there for launch. And, but that's just it's like Mario 64, which is the game that everyone credits with making 3D gaming a thing. And that frustrates me to no end because, I mean, we've already talked about PC 3D gaming. Uh, and that's the thing is, I will, not, I will not discredit the fact that the game ran very well. That the, uh, that it, is a lot of people's first Mario game and a lot of people's first 3D game. So that you always remember your first. You always This will always hold a place in your heart. But it, there are better games before this, during this, and of course after this. And it's mainly the name Mario made it the, you know, 
it would has to load because it's Mario. Yeah. Well, and then, but it's it's Goldeneye basically that saved that fucking console because that actually got it back to adults. We we played it in college because nobody was playing this. Everybody had moved on to the PlayStation. Nintendo was for kids. Yeah. Well, here the first game I I played for the sixty four was Pilot Wings sixty four, and it's I'll say this, I think it's the only game that I even with even Goldeneye I think. The, first, the only game that I truly feel made the controller feel good huh. because well it's mainly because it's it's a flight simulator It there is specific things that you have to do in order to get to a completion mode so each style of flying like a hang glider or a jetpack and stuff like that used different aspects of the controller but you're only using that particular one so you're only holding it like like a regular controller for one type of game. And then for the best part of it, which was a you do a human cannonball thing, mm-hmm. that's that's where you use the analog stick and the little trigger button. So it's like you genuinely held the controller differently to do different things okay. as opposed to being expected to have 20 fingers to uh, you know handle any of these other games that expected way too much of you. And that I didn't really think was fun. But, you know, some of the other games that came out for it, uh, Wave Race 64, which is uh, jet skiing. It's basically F-Zero on the water. Yeah, it's you know what? We fun. did play that one. I remember that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. There's not really a whole lot to talk about. It's, again, Jet Moto 2. Basically, those are both two sides of the same coin. Fun games, but that's about all you can really say is your jet skis. Uh, there was... Shadows of the Empire, the Star Wars game. It's a really good third-person action-y Star Wars title. Basically, it's a side story to Empire and Jedi. And really, it's most well-known for the opening Hoth segment where you can actually jump in one of those snow speeders and fight against the little snow walkers. That's stuff. cool. I never played the game. I just remember the booklets and the toys and stuff like that. They, they really tried to... Was it, it was to fill the gap between Empire and Return, right? Yeah. yeah, and you played as the mercenary Dash Rendar. <laughs> I remember that. There are there are a lot of Star Wars fans that really want this character to be brought into the Star Wars canon, and you just then kind of go, yeah, but aren't you the people who hate every single thing that Star Wars is now? <laughs> yep. And they want you, and you want them to do that. Uh, some of the other things that came out, uh, you had Cruise in USA in the port of the arcade game. Killer Instinct Gold, which is the port of Killer Instinct 2. Uh, Mortal Kombat Trilogy, which was like Ultimate Mortal Kombat 3, except uh, they took all some of the elements from Mortal Kombat 1 and 2 and threw it in there. It's maybe the most definitive Mortal Kombat game of that time, but I still think Ultimate uh, MK3 is the best of, of all those games. And uh, lastly, Wayne Gretzky's 3D Hockey. I don't remember that at all. Wow. Yeah, so you didn't have a whole lot to choose from. So basically, really, you had Mario 64, Pilot Wings, and Wave Race. So there's kind of a reason why everyone everyone loves Mario. It's because it's the only game you really could play. And that's the same thing with Halo. Halo's not that good of a game. It's fine. But it's the only it was the only game that was playable on Xbox. 
so thus it's the only game that people remember yeah 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 <laughs> but uh 64 will have some we'll have some better content coming up in the next few years so we'll as as we will start seeing yeah, the decline of Sega but then the the uh, game war between Sony and Nintendo will definitely kind of heat up. Yeah, and then, I mean, we're only four years away from Xbox debuting. Yep. And oh, we even got the Dreamcast, too. I forgot Dreamcast. And then we got weird little consoles that try to compete in the middle. Anybody remember the Phantom? Never happened. That's the reason why it's called the Phantom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Console Wars Part 2. Yeah. All right. Anything else before we go? No, I think we're good, man. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. You know where to find us. And that's it. You guys have a good one.